welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 98, for Saturday the 28th of April 2018. And, of course, I'm still not writing. I'm getting very jittery at the moment. Because if you think about it, last year I wrote five thrillers back-to-back. Well, it wasn't five thrillers, it was four thrillers and one sci-fi, wasn't it? But I wrote them back-to-back with barely a break. And it feels very strange having all this breathing space to think about the next book. I've got to tell you, you know, really, I'd be better off just writing, just getting on with it. Uh, All this thinking time I don't think is any good for you. I was reading, at the moment, I'm working through Who to Trust. So it's kind of the last three days of edits for me. I'm recording this on Friday 27th, so I've spent most of today working on Who to Trust, and then I'm going to do Saturday and Sunday, and then I will get that published on on Kindle and uh, in paperback form. It doesn't get released until the 31st of May, but I'm doing my last sweep of that book now. And I've written the book... And I'm just thinking, you know, Paul, you should just get on with it. Commit to an idea, write the blasted book, which is what I usually do. But because I got this longer deadline, I got it all planned out, I'm taking all the time in the world. And it's quite an interesting exercise to a certain extent for me in procrastination, because when I knew I had to be banging those books out, when I had the when I had the kind of deadlines, when I created those deadlines on my planning, I just got on with it. And uh, at the moment, I'm dithering around getting ready to commit to a story and I haven't committed to it yet the reason I haven't committed to it yet is because I jiggled my diary around again I got certain things I I got to get done Um, but I'm going to start writing on the 10th of May now which is my it's my last start date 10th of May and then I get my 90,000 words written by the time the summer holidays start Um, the reason I've done that is I, I need to shift who to trust this weekend and then I'm done with that and what I'm trying to do is offload some stuff before I start to write the book. So I have to have Who's to Trust done because that's on a, a pre-publication deadline. And then after that, I've got to get my annual accounts done, which is a pain. But it, we've just had the new tax year begin in the UK. And i got to get my accounts submitted. Now, I did file my accounts. Was it last weekend I did them? But um, I realised I'd made a, an error. There's just a little change to something within the accounts. And so I'm going to have to amend those accounts. I just need to sit down and, and claw through some figures, which I started doing last weekend. And um, if, if ever you've run a shop or any, any kind of a cash float, you'll know that at the end of the day, when you count the money up, you're always tuppence or something out, something ridiculous, and you spend a disproportionate amount of time trying to balance the money. Well, that's what I started doing last weekend and then had to give up because I had other things to do. So um, I'm quite keen to shift who to trust, which I'll get done by this weekend. I then need to shift my accounts and, and then I can get on with the book. I'm clear after that. So... I am uh, aware that I'm. I am really dithering, to be honest with you. I am dithering with this idea. I think I'm. Uh, I think I've got a sense of the story that I want to write now. Haven't quite got the location just yet, but I will have to hit my five thousand words a session when I start writing on the tenth of May. So I'll keep you up to date with that. That book had better be done by the summer holidays. Um, I, have, I must admit to you, though, I have also, um, to a certain extent, been reconsidering. Project Bloodhound. I, I am going to stick to it, but I've been thinking about it, thinking about all this 
um, effort around effectively getting someone's approval that in the meantime, the other books are selling. Uh, it's very uh, sort of contrary to what I would normally do. My normal attitude is get the books written and, and sell them. And if I ever sell enough or a book's popular enough, someone will come to me and knock at the door. And, and so, you know, the strategy with this book is really to to try and get it published on a on one of the very few platforms that would interest me because I think that they can bring probably more of an audience to my self-publishing. But I have been wondering about that as I've been dithering about the writing, thinking, you know, this get it out, just get the book written, don't wait for anybody. I quite like that system, but I will take a break certainly for this one. We'll get this one done. I know I said that the next one, which I would be writing after summer, I, that might be a sci-fi that I do in the same way. I might reconsider that. Uh, we make plans, of course, but we can always change them. <laughs> so, and I reserve the right to do that. But I, I think I am going to get this this Project Bloodhound one done. And actually, even at the end of it, even if I say, do you know what, this is taking too long, I'm just going to self-publish this one. Even if I do that, um, then fine. But I think that book's going to get written. The next book will be a 90,000-word thriller. So whether it goes to Bloodhound Books or not. So first of all, though, I've got to get Who to Trust completed first. And uh, this has been quite good. It's been quite interesting because in a small way, I've had beta readers over this. So I, I, I had uh, Sarah Hardy's had a read and I've had it go through a proofreader and also um, a beta reader. I had a little list of beta readers and a lady called Anne who uh, has also gone through the book. And I was working through her changes today. She gave me a list of 64 changes uh, or, or errors that she'd spotted. I was really grateful for that work that she'd done. It's really, really good. So between me, the proofreader, my wife, uh, Sarah, I think hopefully we're, we're pretty well on top of this. Sarah gave me some good structural ideas. No, not, not structural. A couple of things. She said that she didn't think that the labelling of the chapters was clear enough because I go backwards and forwards in time. So I tidied that up today. That was a nice, um, simple one. Great feedback. Sarah had said to me, I, I've used um, song song lyrics. Now, because I've worked at the BBC, I'm hypersensitive to copyright issues. And so I, I'd used I barely used song lyrics. So I'd literally, for instance, there's a karaoke scene where somebody uses so they start to sing, uh, you're the one that I want, uh, John Travolta, Olivia Newton-John. And, and the only bit I put in is something like, I've got thrills, dot, dot, dot. And, and my sort of understanding of it is that I could get away with that because it's so little that actually you've only got to hear, I've got chills, and you fill in the rest of the song in your head. Um, but Sarah had said, as a policy, Bloodhound books don't actually put any lyrics in. I know why they do that. They do that because they're playing completely safe. And, and Sarah mentioning that made me think, yeah, do you know what? I'll probably play completely safe with this. I'll probably just remove the lyrics and mention the song title and then let you fill in the, the gaps in your head. I, basically just playing safe rather than sorry. So I think I will, I'll take that advice and, uh, and run with it. And it's very easy to do. It doesn't change the structure of the book at all. And it still allows me to put a couple of punchlines in. I just play around with some of the songs in the in the karaoke, and they kind of uh, reflect what's kind of going on in the story at points. So I'll take that advice on board as well. And I'm trying to remember what else Sarah said. She gave me three points, but but all together with my my proofread, with the comments that I've had from feedback, um, that I think the book's in, in pretty good shape. 
And having come back to the beginning and the end, which were the bits I was worried about and the bits that Sarah said that she liked specifically without prompting from me, I'm feeling quite happy about the way I've set that up and and finished it now. My confidence is higher with that. So um, got a lot of work to do on that this weekend. I've done the first three chapters today. Um, I got chapters four to seven on Saturday, eight to ten on Sunday, and then I'll bring it into Scrivener, export it, pop it into what's it called, Vellum. And I'll put the final copies out uh, ready for pre-release on the 31st. So frankly, I'll just forget them and they'll just sit there for three weeks. Uh, There's a bit of a frustration with that because I could have been releasing that on the 3rd of May. But because of of chopping and changing over editing and things like that, it's going to have to wait to the 31st of May now. It's a little bit annoying, uh, but but there you go. I'll just set it and it'll just pop out at the appointed time. And interestingly, this week, I'd, I'd had a couple of competitions on my wall. And competitions, you've probably heard me say I'm not doing competitions really anymore. But what I probably mean is I'm not paying for competitions anymore. I'm not doing the competitions that I was doing. Really just, I don't even know really why I was doing them, to be honest with you. I, I guess it was just for that label, that ability to say. But the competitions were so small, um, it felt it felt barely worth um, boasting about any kind of wins or shortlisting that I got but I am going in for a couple of competitions um, quite selectively this time and I went in for one called um, Deviant Minds this week and I just figured that I might as well in that you need to enter the first 10k words it mustn't be a a published book it could be self-published and I just thought well this hits who to trust just right because they're going to announce the shortlist on the 18th of May. This book won't get released till the 31st of May. So I entered the first 10,000 words yesterday and I had to do a 300 word synopsis. There was no entry fee for this. And if you win, you get the usual um, agent representation and publication and things. And I and I kind of, as I've said to you before, I, I kind of like to go through that. I'd like to have the experience of it, of being agented and going through a formal um, you know, editing process and going the cover. I'd like to have that experience now, but also I'd like to be part of a team of established um, thriller writers to use that as a platform to sell my self-published books. So this is this is quite strategic on on my part, but the timing just hits right. The book is written. Um, it's ready to go. So they got the first 10,000 words yesterday. It didn't take me long to write the synopsis. No entry fee, as I say. They will let me know. I'll get my Dear John letter, um, my No Thank You Very Much letter, by the 18th of May. Now, if if it is a um, shortlist letter, Hello Paul, you're on the shortlist, then what I would then have to do is I'm going to have to take Who to Trust off pre-sale and not publish it until I got the final decision from them. Now, clearly then, unless I go cap in hand and apologise and, and make some excuse and get away with it, uh, I have done that before, incidentally, with the pre-sale. So I've got away with it before, but it was a genuine, it was a genuine excuse that time. But if I, I go begging to Amazon, but they will stop me uh, doing a, a pre-sale uh, if I do that for a year. I think the penalty is. So that's the gamble I'll have to take if I get shortlisted in the final five in this competition. I'll have to decide whether I'm going to publish that book or take it off and, and not ever let it get to publication. So we'll find out. But the timings just work really well because I know by the 18th of May, and if it's a Dear John, that's fine. I'll just leave the book up on pre-sale and people can get their hands on it. But otherwise, I'll take it down from pre-sale and have to pay the penalty. I have to take it on the chin on the off chance that I might be 
the top of the five. So I'll let you know. I, I'm expecting the usual Dear John letter, um, but I just thought I might as well. A couple of other competitions I'm going in for. I, I'm also going to do the Richard and Judy competition this year because I do hit the criteria and I'm going to have the sufficient word count written by the time they need it. And I would have the book written by the time they need it. And I wouldn't have the full book published by the time they need it either. So it's just um, happy. It's just fortune, good fortune that these competitions just happen to reach and hit my kind of writing agenda this year and that I can actually submit them. And if I get knocked back, that's fine. I just carry on as it was. And if I, if I get into a short list or, you know, God forbid, I should even end up winning, then I, I could, it's fine. I, I'm not committed to any publication. I, I can get out of whatever I'm committed to at that stage. So it just feels worth doing that. Anyhow, I'll let you know. There's, the other one I want to enter, by the way, is um, it's in by the July the 15th. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. It's the Staunch Book Prize. It's this one where the uh, people who are holding the competition, they want a book where, uh, you know, women um, aren't killed, murdered, you know, awful things happening to, to, to the women as they often do in thrillers. They just wanted people to change the tune. And in a lot of my books, I mean, I don't think I have that, I don't think I have that really in any of my books um, in that I write strong female characters. Uh, the female characters are usually usually way, way outsmart the men in my books because I find that's how real life is. That's my experience of it, that the, the women far outsmart me. And, um, and they don't have sort of gruesome murders. It's not women who are murdered in, in gruesome, horrible ways. Uh, that's really not what my books are about. So I could enter, I could enter in theory all of my books, but for instance, Don't Tell Meg has some, some themes there. Um, I don't think they were, although it's, a, they're ultimately about empowerment, um, and revenge and, and, and not being, uh, victims. Um, probably some of them are a bit borderline. So I, I should be able to have two or three that I can find from my, my back catalog that go into that staunch book price. Um, I think I got three that are completely safe in terms of what the roles of women and what happens to women in the books. So uh, I'll give that a try as well. That's July the 15th. And I'll I'll pop three of my books, I think. Who to Trust, if it hasn't been caught up in anything else by that stage. One Fatal Error. Uh, Dead of Nice. You see, I could also put Burden of Guilt in. I, it really just depends how strict they are in it. Because in Burden of Guilt, it starts with... Um, a, a, a woman who's in a an abusive relationship. You don't get any of that in the book. You you just have a scene where you see what she's up against, and actually, the first thing she does is get out of that relationship. That's the first thing she does is she makes an empowering move, and that's kind of what what, what then sets the action off in the rest of the book. So I'm not quite sure whether that's too borderline for this staunch competition. I have a good look at the the rules and see kind of where we are with it, because kind of if you've got characters in a book, something's going to happen to them. Uh, otherwise, it's a bit of a dull book. Um, but I, I, I think the spirit of that competition is that, you know, it's not the usual old things that, that happen to women, that we find them murdered. I don't think there's any female murders in my books. No, there aren't any female murders in my books. Um, you know, but clearly there is threat and jeopardy for those women. Um, otherwise, there'd be no story. It wouldn't be a very interesting story if there wasn't. So I just got to read between the lines and just see whether I can enter the, the stories. Okay, so that's writing news, uh, and the news is no writing done, but a book being finished this weekend. Let's go on to general news. I, I happened to mention last week, and I, I probably made a fatal error 
in that I know that people, you know, everybody's a GDPR expert at the moment and uh, we're all hypersensitive about it. You know, I, I include myself in that too. I'm all over anything that looks like it's sensible GDPR guidance. Um, but when I did my, my comment last week to say what my plans were with GDPR, I, I'd got some, uh, you know, feedback from people, which is fair enough. And I thought I just probably need to qualify my own strategy just a little bit further. Now, um, again, my, my basic strategy is I'm, I'm listening, I'm learning, I'm listening, I'm learning, I'm looking at podcast, uh, webinar replays, uh, you know, right up to May the 25th. But my, my general plan, my general expectation is, is that I'm going to write my last monthly uh, email of the new style emails that I'm writing this weekend. It's due out on Sunday, actually. So that will be my last monthly email. And then after that email, I will mention in that email, you know, that if you want to unsubscribe, please unsubscribe. I'll just sort of warn people that something will be up. Um, and because everybody's aware of GDPR, absolutely everybody's aware of it. And then in between when that email goes off and then sort of May the 25th, I'll make my final decision based on as much information as I can get about what I'm going to do. But the, the thing I, I needed to just let you know about my GDPR strategy just just two points really number one is that I have moved my subscribers around between different systems so I think they started in get response some of them came from MailChimp and then they went into MailerLine so what's unique about my particular situation is that if I were asked to to prove that I'd got a registration um, you know a two part registration, double-step verification. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Double opt-in, that's what I'm trying to say. Then I couldn't because the original stamp data that you get when you, you get a new subscriber has gone because of the the export and import. So when I would have exported from MailChimp or GetResponse, I would have had the original date stamp and the way that they subscribed in there. When I exported and then imported into MailerLite, all I imported was the, the first name and the email address. I didn't bring any data in. So if, if I were asked to show that I, uh, you know, proof or verification that those people had registered to my list, then I wouldn't be able to do that. So that's why uh, my particular situation is slightly more unique. Now, if you've only ever used MailChimp and everybody's gone through a registration process in your MailChimp account, you'll have a date stamp to, to show that, to verify that. Well, I don't have that because of, of the way that I've I've managed my list of, of emails. Now, the other thing is um, I've been at email marketing for a long time. And I when I finished internet marketing, I had a list of, of 25,000 people. My, my list was 25,000 people. So um, I've burned lists before um, and built lists before. And so I'm probably a little bit more uh, confident that if I if I do burn a list, if I do play it really really safe over GDPR, and I, again, you know, I got I got a, virtually four weeks before I have to commit to this. But if I decide that I'm going to play it really safe with GDPR, if and I end up burning, you know, two thousand three thousand subscribers, then I, I've got the confidence that they'll come back again. The other thing I know from from email marketing for several years now is that. Um, there's always the off chance that when you've got somebody who doesn't open emails, always the off chance that they might engage at some point. But you know, really, what you want on your list is engaged. But the bottom line, forget GDPR. What you want on your email list is people who look forward to receiving your emails and who engage with you. You want engagement. Now, you'll always have that percentage of your list who never seem to open an email and one day you might just catch them in the right mood and they might open an email and buy something from you 
and, he, and start to engage with you. But that, that, that's fine. But if you look at the, the open rates on your emails, and if you're looking at the last six months of emails and somebody hasn't opened an email, they're not hugely engaged with you. So, you know, I'm pretty, I can, I, <laughs> you don't, you don't have to do as I do, but I'm, I, I'm happy to clear a list out. Uh, it doesn't particularly trouble me. If I clear a list out, if I end up deleting 2,000 people who haven't opened an email in the last six months, I won't cry over that. I will build them up, hopefully, with people who are more interested again. And, and that's just my view of it. This is regardless of GDPR. It's, you know, to me, it's it's good to keep um, a healthy list. And I want generally people who would like to receive my emails. I'm not so desperate that I want to keep 6,500 people on my list, even though maybe 2,000 of them aren't opening my emails I, I don't they could just go we might as well just part company as far as I'm concerned so this is part of this is not just GDPR part of this is an excuse to clean up my list now at the moment everybody's an expert on GDPR um uh, what I am really pleased about um Rob Scott Norton who's been a guest on this show before dropped me a, a note saying oh I heard you were doing your a cull on your mailing list and he referred me to Mark Dawson's uh, a post by Mark Dawson, who does uh, self-publishing formula. And thanks ever so much for doing this, Rob, because this has been really useful feedback for me. Now, what I didn't realize is that I'm not actually in the self-publishing formula communities, for formula community. So I, I'm on the Facebook page, but I, I completely missed the fact that they've got a community. And Mark's um, offering a really good service with GDPR. And so thank you for this, Rob, because what I will do is just take a pause on this um, Mark's doing something brilliant in that he's got a GDPR expert on, and James Blatch has, has interviewed this this expert, and they're going to burrow into what we need to do as authors. And frankly, isn't that what we've all wanted all the time? We just want somebody to tell us what to do as authors. Just tell me what to do. That's all. You know, I want to be compliant. Just tell me what to do. Don't frighten the life out of me. Just tell me what to do. And, and this is great because um, Mark Dawson's taken the lead with this. We're going to get a a sensible interview before the deadline, courtesy of Mark Dawson. Thanks for that, Mark and James. That's great, inspired, just the kind of indie leadership that we need. And you're in the right kind of position to do that. And we'll get a nice little uh, PDF guide from that as well. So my recommendation to you is don't listen to me because whatever I do, it'll be, there'll be a little, obviously I want to be compliant with GDPR, but I'm probably going to use it as an excuse to tidy up my list a little bit too. So don't worry about that. That's that's just what I'll do anyway. Um, but I do want to be GDPR compliant. So I'm really pleased that Mark Dawson's doing this. If you haven't done it already, and I didn't realize there was any difference, so I've, I've missed the trick here. I'll put the self-publishing formula community link on the show notes for this page. As I was not a member of this, didn't even, I'd missed that it even existed. Um, go into there and then you'll catch this special GDPR news and bonus that they're offering when it comes out. So um, they, they've kind of given a hint in the post that, that Mark put saying it's not as bad as you might think, which is which is great. But I think the key thing here and why this is important is that I don't know about you, but I've been exposed to GDPR information that isn't specifically for authors. And so much of it isn't related to people who do marketing the way we do it. So it's been broad uh, brushstroke advice. And what I want is somebody to really just dig, dig, dig into what we do as indie authors. And Mark's taken the lead on that, which is just brilliant. So my advice to you is GDPR. Just don't listen to me because I'm a GDPR idiot. I'm just learning like everybody else is. Um, check this out. Get this through Mark Dawson. 
Uh, it's a great initiative, uh, you know, very generous uh, offer. And uh, Mark's kind of advice is, if you're a non-European, you're going to have to do this anyway if you market to Europeans. If you're in the States, you're going to have to do this, or New Zealand or Australia, you're going to have to do this if you market to Europeans. Um, you'll have seen a flurry of emails. I'm getting them all the time now, and I haven't done this yet. A flurry of emails saying, do you want to stay on lists? And perversely, apparently, this could be a breach of the regulations. I've heard this before. I think, was it, oh, I'm just trying to remember, there was a car company. I'm not going to say the name in case I get it wrong. A car company that did this and then ended up with, with egg on their face using this strategy. So I've been aware of that too, which is why I've been waiting, waiting, waiting. And then the other advice from Mark is don't cull your lists just yet. Okay, uh, wait. So um, and, and this was what I was going to do, you know, right up to the, the 25th of May. Um, but I'm still probably going to cull my list anyway, just as a general pruning and tidy, regardless of GDPR. So you need to separate those things. Pruning a list and GDPR uh, separate those two things. So I really just wanted to update you with that. I want to thank um, Rob for uh, drawing my attention to that, Rob, because that's fantastic. I think that's going to be a brilliant resource. So thank you for doing that. And I will put the link to the group that you need, the self-publishing formula community, on the show notes for this week, because groups are always kind of horrible numbers and via link so it's easier if you just go to the kind of the, the resources page this week so that's my gdpr summary and I'll, I'll kind of keep mentioning that right up to may the 25th i put a little post out i can't remember what made me think this um now i can't remember what made me think about it but i just had an idea this week because it's the 100th episode of this podcast diary on saturday the 12th of may i was just i guess just thinking what can i do that's a little bit different that week rather than just doing a normal diary. And I just thought, I just put a little post on Twitter and said, I'm thinking of writing or, or, or recording a podcast that week called 10 Honest Truths I May Regret Saying About Self-Publishing in Two Years' Time. And I, I just thought, often on these diaries, I don't hold that much back, but I, I try not to rant too much. I know I rant sometimes, and I try, <laughs> try and not swear. <laughs> I do swear a little bit more in real life. I actually quite like swearing. I know it's very juvenile, but I do quite enjoy it. And I try and keep that off these podcasts. I let one slip every now and then, but but not too often. And I just thought it'd be really nice to do... I've been at it for two years, doing these um, diaries for 100 episodes, a lot of episodes. And I just thought it'd be really nice to just not be diplomatic at all. Uh, just to say it, how I sort of see it at the moment. Two years into these diaries... What's frustrating the heck out of me and how do I see it? So I put this post on Twitter and said, anybody interested in this? And it's one of those uh, posts that you do. You know what it's like. A lot of the time, there's just a little bit of tumbleweed goes by when you publish on social media. But this is one of those posts that got a really good reaction. And people basically say, you know, do it, do it, do it. So I am going to do that. Ten honest truths. Now, you know, clearly there's not going to be any libels in there or anything that could get me into legal trouble. But there are a, f a few things that I would kind of rant about away from the microphone that I, I just think it might be worth sharing. So I'm going to do that on the 100th episode. Now, it's not going to be too shock jockey. Don't worry about that. But I will just warn you ahead of time that there may be a few s swear words in there. I don't know whether we'll go as far as F-bombs, but there might be a few swear words in there. But I just thought it might be fun. I, I wrote a list down. Actually, I'll just lean over and get it. I've got a, I've got a, a list to start with. And um, actually, I think I'm up to 14 things, so I am going to have to hone it down. Uh, but I'll, I'll whittle it down to 10 things I want to have a rant about, and that'll be coming up on 
Saturday the 12th of May. Um, just as I'm about to change the frequency of this podcast, would you believe I've just had my highest number of downloads this month? <laughs> it's typical, isn't it? Absolutely blooming typical. Anyhow, uh, I'm going to stick to the plan because I, I, I've got other things that aren't book-related going on this summer, other, other projects I'm doing this summer. So I, I, I have to have the time as well as wanting to market the books better. So just to let you know that um, we've got an interview on Monday with Gubir Singh. And I said to you last week, it's all getting a bit close now. It's getting a bit scary because I interviewed Gubir this week on Wednesday and then it's running the Monday after. I was looking at my schedule. I'm not quite sure how I missed this, actually. But I'm interviewing Claire Sager next Monday on the 6th. And I had got Claire scheduled to run on the 7th, Monday the 7th. Now, there's no way am I doing that. Just just in case I have any processing or technical errors or, you know, Claire can't make it for some reason. That's really, really fine. So, uh, is going to be the last regular podcast. That's going to be on Monday the 30th. And then what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to wean you off the, the weekly ones uh, for a little while. So, uh, Claire's interview is going to run about two weeks after that on the 14th of May. And then we'll have a, another couple of weeks. And the, the interview after that will be Barry Hutchison who will be running on the 4th of May. And then after Barry Hutchison, I'm interviewing a gentleman called Miles Hudson. And Miles is somebody that I'm working with at the moment on this New Writing North project that I've been brought in as a, uh, would you call it, advisor, consultant, that kind of thing. Um, So I'm going to interview Miles then. And then from, uh, effectively, I guess, from the 2nd of July, we're then one a month. So July, August, September, through to October, it's only going to be about three months, not that long, um, we'll, we'll be doing uh, just one a month. And that effectively just buys me um, a lot of time, a lot more time in the evenings. Now, part of that time, dare I say it, is being replaced by crypto interviews because I had another one of these crazy weeks this week where I had, I've had i got this diary to do. I interviewed Gurbir on Wednesday. And Alison Ingleby and I recorded two episodes of our crypto podcast this week. And then I'm also booking in uh, crypto guest uh, interviews as well for that podcast so some of the interviews are being taken up by the crypto one as we just build that a little bit more so the idea with the crypto podcast was always uh, just me and Alison doing news a bit like sell more book show we're just kind of doing the news from the industry it's quite that's quite an easy format to sustain but I did want to get some guests in there because what happens when you have guest interviews is that they then refer to your podcast on their show and it's how you build an audience having guests on a show a great way of building an audience so I wanted to be quite proactive about that over summer to get some crypto guests on and the crypto market it's had a bit of a flurry this week I'm not sure that it's going to ignite just yet um, but when the crypto market ignites again, it's been in the doldrums since Christmas, that everybody's going to be all over it, jumping in. And, and I just want my podcast to be there in the slipstream when it does uh, as, a, as a source of information. So uh, we're just kind of putting some eggs in those baskets at the moment. But it feels really weird not not constantly booking interviews. I've even I have I'm so far ahead. I've got my interviews booked over over the summer vacation as well I'm way ahead with it I'm pretty well booked through to October with guests so um, that's quite nice to know that that's taken care of and I'm off this kind of relentless book record edit publish um, kind of system for for a couple of weeks just over summer I got a I got Project Bloodhound which I'm working on obviously I'll still do the two podcasts you'll get the weekly 
Pulse podcast diary updates throughout the summer. The, the podcast diary, I won't be interrupting that. That'll be every week as it always has been. And I, I have to say, I know a lot of people struggle to keep up with the interview. So you may just find actually that it gives you a, a chance to catch up with your backlog. Um, me just giving you a break as a listener too, because I, I know that one interview a week is actually quite a lot to listen to. Um, and often I know that with podcasts, um, Joanna Penn's uh, podcast is a good example of that, that I listen to her her, her diary elements, if you want to call it that, her personal update. I listen to that religiously every week. I always really enjoy that bit. And then with the guests, I kind of take and leave the guests. It depends whether it's something I'm interested in or not. Um, and, and I, I expect that's probably what you do with, with my podcast too. Some you like, some you don't, some resonate, some don't. That, that, that's just how it is. Um, so, you know, well, I, I'm going to see how my figures go. It's been interesting having my highest downloads month ever before I just change the, the the formula that's delivered that. And we'll see what those downloads are like. But it'll just be, be educational for me. And as I say, it's only for three months. We'll be back as we were in October. Uh, interestingly, I got the first draft book cover back from Stuart Bache this week. So he'd, he'd done cover one, which was Don't Tell Meg, and he'd given me three versions of that cover. Now, there were th- so there were three covers there. The first one I looked at, I loved um, so it absolutely met my brief. It's exactly what I wanted as a psychological thriller. And then the second one didn't really like. Didn't it was quite reddish. I didn't really like it. And then the third one, um, I looked at it and thought I could do that. Um, well, I could. It was it was a photo with some text over. I just thought I could do that. Not not as well, but I I could make that. Now I thought right, okay, <laughs> let's ask people what they think. So I've actually had two posts that have performed really well this week. The post that I put on Facebook about this got a brilliant feedback from loads and loads of people. It's really good. And so I, I posted the three covers and I said, what do you like? Now, you can be sure as anything, when you ask the audience, they all have different opinions. I mean, and blimey, did everybody have different opinions? So rather than clearing the waters, it completely muddied the waters, asking people what they thought. But I think I think in doing that, in, in getting audience response, if you want, I really just wanted to know that I wasn't being crazy picking the wrong cover, that I wasn't going for one that people hated. So covers one, two, three. Actually, I'll post them on the show notes for this week if you, if you missed that post and you just want to see what the covers were. Um, so the first one was, I, I thought it was great. I loved it straight away. And l- lots of people, they either said covers one or three. Most Some people like cover two, not, not enough people. I didn't like cover two. Some people said it looked like a horror book. I think there were about two people who said they really loved cover two, but it wasn't enough. Um, for that and and so the choices were covers one and covers three cover three I didn't like the font and it felt to me like what I'd already done with the don't tell Meg covers in that I'd taken a big image and then I'd put text over it so it felt like a a, a, sim- a simple cover if you want something that I I could make myself whereas the the first cover I liked the coloring it looked moody it said psychological thriller to me it was actually dead within the brief that I'd sent I'd sent Stuart a whole load of covers and said look this needs to look like it would be on Richard and Judy as a read the other thing is is um, my wife works at a library and she says well they they often set out psychological thrillers on book display so they'll pick books in the genre that I'm writing in and my my wife chose cover number 1 and said that's exactly what we put on the shelves that they go like hotcakes that's what we're doing now what what made me very nervous and and this still makes me very nervous is I sent an email to three thriller experts that I've spoken to as a result of this podcast and they said well I think they all pretty well said covers one and three 
But three was their favourite, the one that I really didn't like. And that's made me jittery and nervous because when you've got three thriller experts and they're telling you three, and I don't like three, that makes it really hard for me. So I just thought in the end, loads of people said one. And if they still said three, they still said one was fine. So I'm going for one because at the end of the day, I said to my wife, more people said one, but also i got to have a cover that I like, haven't I? And I just didn't like three. And, and so that's why I've gone for one. Oh, I don't know what to do. I hate doing this. I, I, I hate doing this. I hate decorating houses. I hate choosing linens and things like that. I hate it. I just want somebody to do it for me. Um, I really don't enjoy it because I just don't know what to do. Anyhow, I've gone for one. So I, went, I got back to Stuart and um, I just thought it looked great. And it was the one, when I saw the covers, I wanted to look at one and say, hell yeah. And and one was the one I said I personally said hell yeah to. So um I gotta I gotta do that. And do you know what one person even said, I like the covers that you did. And I mean that's very nice, that's very flattering because obviously I've i I've sold and shifted and still continue to shift a lot of copies with my dodgy covers on. But as as I said to this person, that's my dodgy primary school art skills that have done that. But I mean I don't think the covers that I made were abysmal. And they've clearly shifted some copies. But I, I need to get something decent on it. And Stuart knows his stuff. So anyhow, I'm, I'm, I'm going with cover one. I'll put them on the, the resources page and you can have a look if you were involved in those votes. Um, but it's too late now. I've told, I've told Stuart to go for, for number one and I hope I've made the right decision. I've been doing a book barbarian promo this week. So I did book barbarian yesterday on Thursday. And then today I've had a free booksy promo. And so I've got, um, what is it? Phase six is up for free. And then I put the grid one at 99 pence and cents. Now, John Cronshaw, who's been on this podcast three times, he's a, a sort of sci-fi dystopian author like me. John had recommended Book Barbarian to me when we last spoke for this podcast. I'd never heard of it. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I tried Book Adrenaline, which is the thriller version of it. And uh, I did Book Adrenaline on the Thursday and then Free Booksy on the Friday and got those books to number one in various thriller, psychological thriller charts, which was fab. And I've done the same this week. Uh, I haven't got to number one yet. I'm hoping I'm going to get to number one. So at the time of recording this, um, on Book Barbarian got rid of 699 free copies of Phase 6 on Thursday. And that was enough to get me to seven and eight. So seven in dystopian fiction, eight in post-apocalyptic fiction in the freebies. And then at the time of recording this, although Freebooksy have put it on their website, I don't think their email's gone out yet because when the email goes up, um, touch wood, I might be wrong. And I don't, you never know what the competition is like, but that should, should take me on previous experience only, it should take me to top three, I hope, in those categories. But they hadn't sent the email out, and it, and it was a bit annoying. I was hoping I'd be able to tell you that they were top three during this podcast diary. So I'll have to tell you the final figures next week. But free books usually gets me usually gets me to number one. But again, you know, touch wood, touch wood all the time. Um, should get me top three on past records. I like Book Barbarian. It did the job. It did a good job for a reasonable price with the thriller and with the sci-fi. But uh, what I haven't had a good experience with in Book Barbarian, um, they let you do a double promo. So I did phase six for free 
and I'm quite happy with 700 copies for what it cost me. And then I didn't really make many sales on the grid one. So, and I found that with when I did the thriller one as well, I had um, Dead of Night for free. It did really well for free, but the one for sale didn't really sell many copies. It didn't excite me in any way at all, not in the way that a book bub shifts loads of paid copies for you. So my, my conclusion from that, well, two conclusions, uh, probably the book barbarian people are really looking for freebies rather than to buy books. But also the packages that I put on, they were not trilogies. They weren't series. So I'd quite like to try book barbarian, say maybe making the grid one free and then the grid two at 99 cents. I'd like to try a series. So none of, neither of the promos I've done using this service were books in series. So my thrillers were both standalones. My, although my, my phase six is really a kind of prequel to the grid that that's not hugely obvious until you read it. So it didn't look, doesn't look like a series when you buy. So they, they weren't really a series. So it hasn't really worked for sales, but it's been fine on freebies. And as ever, I love free booksy. I keep saying on this podcast diary, it's the poor writer's version of bookbub. It really, I love free booksy. It's always performed well for me. So I don't quite know what my figures are yet though at the time of recording this. So, so long as I remember, I'll, I'll update you and hopefully, well, you'll see it on social media. Actually, if, if, if that book gets top three or number one, then you'll see it. Uh, I'll be promoting it on social media, but the sales have been negligible. And here we are once again, moaning about, I, I give away the free books, but I'm really struggling with those sales. Now I'm allowed to. Uh, put my don't tell Meg on bookbub again from Monday and I'm going to have to decide whether I'm going to wait for Stuart Bache's covers to come in and to to use the new covers on bookbub or whether I'm going to try it again with the existing offer the same offer that I put on bookbub last time and I've got the weekend to dither about that I'm not quite sure I might get impatient and just list it with the old covers because I'm dying I'm dying to be put out of my misery and find out whether I get this second bookbub um, I almost can't stand the tension. So uh, we'll see. I'll let you know. I, I, but I may just chicken out, not wait for the covers. Because I, 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 I'm quite happy to wait for the covers because I, the money's coming in. What's the date? Yeah, it'll be coming in by the end of the month. So the money to pay for those covers from Stuart Bates is coming in as end of month payment. So I'm quite happy for that to have been a little bit slower. But it really depends, I guess, on how soon this, the, the, the three covers, the three cover package comes because I need all those covers on when I do the book, but I might just relent and list it and find out whether I'm going to get that second promo. And if I don't, don't know what I'll do. Well, I don't know what I'll do. I'll just have to carry on as I am, but <laughs> just keep trying for another book, but I really hope I get that second book, promo. Okay. I'll keep you up to date with all of that. Uh, a couple of things on Twitter this week. Um, my guest who I interviewed for Monday's podcast was Gurbir Singh. Um, Gurbir was, uh, oh, it's that time of year again, Gurbir. Mow the lawn time. And Gubir was listening to my podcast diary, doing the lawn, which is great. And uh, it's a nicely cut lawn, Gubir. That's the beginning of it, isn't it? You'll be cutting the lawn now virtually every week or every two weeks until October. So um, well done for, for posting that and well done for getting out there with the lawnmower. And also, uh, Tim Lewis has posted. Tim's usually for, on, on, out on a walk when he listens to the podcast, but he was listening to the diary in Sainsbury's this time. I'm just trying to work out, is that a, is that a Sainsbury's supermarket or is that one of those, what do they call them? The super, the, the shops that they do on the corner. 
looks it does look quite big and quite spacious i'm, I'm guessing it's a supermarket but uh, hopefully that was making the weekly shop slightly more bearable tim um when you were listening to the podcast diary so thank you very much for sending those tweets in the images are on this week's uh page resources page it's where i put all the links anything i mention always goes on the resources page just a reminder by the way that if you get some value from this podcast if it's helped you in any way on your own author journey if you're learning stuff if it's really just consoling you as you <laughs> as you enjoy your own author journey the frustrations and the ups and the downs if you found some value in the podcast i'd appreciate it if you would uh, sponsor the podcast or support the podcast via patreon we have a patreon account if you go to selfpublishingjourneys.com you'll see the link to patreon just there but what that does is it pays the the fees for the hosting i have to pay for libsyn to deliver the, the podcast obviously we've got web hosting costs and there's the time that i put into producing the podcast and so if you wanted to support the podcast through patreon that would be greatly appreciated just head for selfpublishingjourneys.com and you'll see the link on the website page that's it for this week my guest on monday is gubir singh uh, gubir has been a listener to this podcast for a long time now I met him in Manchester at the Amazon event at the first time. And then we met again at the 20 Books to 50K London event. This is what I love about this podcast is meeting listeners and seeing them at different events around the country. It's fabulous. Now, Gubir is talking about space rockets and writing an incredibly detailed academic nonfiction book about the Indian space program. Now, what, what came out really strongly in this interview with Gubir is most of the time I'm talking to authors and, and I myself am talking about writing books to make money, to replace the need to go out to work to create income. That's really where I'm focused. But talking to Gabir, that's not his plan at all. He's, in many respects, he's created um, something that he wants. He's written the book because he was interested in it. And now because he's written the book, people are inviting him to talk about his area of expertise. And it was never his aim to create author income now clearly there will be author income associated with it but he, he really enjoys doing the talks and then he does the talks and sells the books and that's really his game plan and it's actually really refreshing to hear a different story about self-publishing but which isn't all about making six and seven figures it's actually it's almost uh like 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 a hobby um doing the talks writing the books and, and Gubir gets to talk to loads of people involved with the Indian Space Program. It's it's like a really immersive hobby. But when, when we were doing the interview, I just thought, sure, this is completely different from anything we've discussed before and very refreshing. So that episode is coming up. It's episode number 114 of the Self-Publishing Journeys podcast. That's coming up on May the 30th, next Monday. And I need to remind you also that after Gubir's episode... Remember, I'm changing the release frequency of these episodes. So next Monday, um, we'll have Gubir. Then the episode after that is going to be the 14th of May. It'll be the 4th of June after that. Then there'll be another one in June. And then from July, we go to one interview a month. So I'm weaning you off the monthly interviews. We're kind of going to fortnightly after Gubir on Monday. But remember, the podcast diaries will continue throughout every week. That is it for another podcast diary. Thank you very much for listening. It's really nice, actually, while I'm recording this. The sun is shining brightly through my study window. Let's have a little bit more of that over the summer. I hope you have a fantastic week of writing. I'll be back next Saturday. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. 
Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing. <laughs>